Welcome back to The Real Photo Show. I think I've been gone for almost two months, so it's uh, nice to be back. Uh, so my guest today is Dan Bassini, and we are going to talk about how Dan has made his own way in photography through sheer will and the use of a very desirable but also plastic point-and-shoot camera. Uh, Dan talks about his series No Invite, a fashion portrait zine that he makes annually from his visits to Fashion Week in New York. Dan also shares the stories behind his current books, Cruel Summer, which was made during the height of the pandemic, and I Still Feel It, which is a book that reflects a personal event in Dan's life, but also perhaps how we all felt in the middle of and towards the end of the pandemic. And we will also talk about an upcoming book and a show. The other thing about Dan Bassini is that he is a former student of mine from my very early years at Mercer County Community College, and he actually reminds me of a pretty funny story um, that I had forgotten about. And one last thing, Dan will be providing some bonus content on the Real Photo Show YouTube channel, so be sure to check that out. So, The Real Photo Show is still sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. Begin building your dream photo book library today and visit charcoalbookclub.com. All right, everyone, it's nice to be back. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Dan, it has been a long time since really, we've spoken. It really has. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you. You uh, too. You look great. I, yeah, yep. thank you. I, uh, I always, you were the person I knew who lived in Jersey City before I knew that was a thing, and now, and now That's here right. I am. So uh, you've influenced me in more ways than one. I guess we should. Say. I, I, you know, so uh, for people who have no idea what we're saying. You were a student of mine when I almost, I think, as far back as when I started teaching at Mercer. I was pretty young at Mercer, I think, when yeah. you were a student of mine. Well, I guess it would have been 20, 2007, Hello. 2008, yeah. I think, So probably. I started teaching in 2005. So I was pretty new to Mercer, yeah. too. Yeah, we give you a real hard time, too. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I was... I was still living in Jersey City mm -hmm. when I was teaching. Yep. And so that's that's the reference you're making. You're, you're now living in Jersey City. But I, I mentioned to these, uh, this to you earlier. You're around Hamilton Park area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when my friends and I were all looking for places to live uh, when we were graduating, after we had graduated from the School of Visual Arts, it was about 1990, 91. And the places to move to were Hamilton Park, Jersey City. Mm hmm the back of Hoboken, uh, you know, near the cliff. Yep. And yep. and Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Oh and, yeah. And we and we that was our diaspora. We all went to those three <laughs> places. And but, oh, and I'm sure all those places were way before uh, they were all some of the most expensive neighborhoods yes. to live in. <laughs> we went there because they were cheap. Yep. Not not quite the case anymore. I <laughs> no. I, I like to joke that I might have the last good deal in Hobo in, in Jersey City. And good for uh, you. I'm gonna knock on all the wood for that one. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a ticking clock though. It scares me every day that that that, <laughs> right. that letter is gonna come in the mail. But until then, we're we're right, rocking and right. rolling. But, you know, because we're already talking about uh, the past, I read in an interview you did, and I didn't know this about you, that your interest in photography actually started with your interest in music and the punk music scene. And yeah. of course, that makes so much sense to me because the first photos I saw from you were music, were punk music. Yeah, that that's actually a lot of the portfolio I went to after, you know, I took your classes at Mercer County Community College. 
I then went on to the the now non-existent Hallmark Institute of Photography. That is wild to me. You know, you and so many of my students went to Hallmark yeah. because it had this like real technical commercial kind yeah. of foundation, which is not really what I did. And so that was like the continuation of photography for so many of my students. And I, I, I can't badmouth the place. I got a really good education. I, I mean, it was very much of the predatory for-profit schools. <laughs> uh, you know, the year before I went, the president of the school was indicted for like $4.5 million wow. of embezzlement. <laughs> I had from... no idea. I didn't oh, know yeah. any of this. Yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> it was bought by Premier Education Group, which is like the death knell. So, oh. <laughs> uh, and then like, I think six years after I graduated, it was deemed unprofitable and, and closed. And last time I went up to visit the main, it was kind of like a big worked up warehouse that we did all of our studio work mm-hmm. and our you know imaging work and things. And uh, it was as of as recent as I know, used to store fertilizer for, uh, <laughs> for golf courses at the moment. So yeah, it's a, it's a literal uh, warehouse full of crap at the moment, which yeah, is, which is really right. fun. So uh, I've used that joke before, so don't worry. That's not, that's not oh, thing good. I, I knew off the cuff, but it's... Well, we both agreed not to use the sound effects from our uh, boards uh, here. Yes, yeah, our, our soundboard. So no no rim yeah, shots there. So that, that is the, the funny thing, though. I started... Uh, I was in a band. I was very active in the music scene. And when I stopped being in a band, I was kind of looking for a way to remain a participant of the music scene without, you know, just being a fan. Mm-hmm. It's something I've discussed with friends. It's kind of like everyone kind of assumes a role in the scene sometimes. And my friends, who was also one of your students, Brian Kay. Oh, that name he, sounds he, very familiar. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He, um, he was in the photography. So I bought same camera he had and we would just go you know we'd go all over we'd shoot and i would start bringing it to shows and i would be Mm -hmm. assuming the role as the the photographer (laughs) so yeah when i went to photography school i had a pretty large portion of you know some of the work i did with with uh you and your class that the time i found that murder scene (laughs) in (laughs) that abandoned house uh oh yeah (laughs) that was a fun and you had the answer to the police about why i was there that's a that's right (laughs) Oh, that's oh my god! Wow, that's really uh, digging up the memories. That's uh, like a lifetime ago. I yeah, know. Yeah. and uh, yeah. and then yeah, a lot of that was music portfolio stuff, uh, which was funny because when I did my portfolio, my like intro portfolio review, because mm-hmm. it was a school that you had to, they had to like inspect your portfolio, but before you were allowed to apply, which I think was just false mm-hmm. exclusivity <laughs> um but my my music my portfolio was a lot of music and the guy's like oh do you know have you ever heard of the band bane which is this like boston hardcore band that's been around forever and uh, their bass player was my graphic design teacher at the oh, school so wow. he was the one who did my <laughs> my portfolio review and wow. uh so it, it all worked out but it, it, i became the de facto music photographer consultant at the school because it's not anything yeah. they were teaching and at that time, I think I got published for the first time in a music magazine, like the fall of my fir- of you know the year. <laughs> but yeah, it was very commercially. When you say it was different than SVA and things like that, it was very commercially focused. It was very, mm-hmm. you know, headshots, uh, tabletop, all that stuff. And it was just, uh, you know, but very little on the art history side of things. Very, very little on the fine art things. And I'm sure we'll dig into it a little later that. Yeah, I kind of had to learn and discover all that stuff on my own. Which, I, you know, and looking at your work and the way you have written a little bit about your work, because you don't write a lot about your work, but you, uh, th- what from what I found, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see it. I can see that you 
you have influence from and you have sought out being more influenced by the art world in photography. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, I, I see but that that's been work. a very personal discovery mm -hmm. than uh, informed discovery, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, it's fun. It, you know, I, I definitely probably could be more balanced in my influences, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, it, you know, I've also been able to be kind of selective to, to what I consume. And, and we'll get into that. We talk about when we start really talking more about your work. The other thing that I didn't know is uh, now my former colleague and your father, <laughs> Fred, <laughs> Fred Bassini, was uh, was also interested in photography. He had a darkroom at one point. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my father was a big amateur photographer in, in college and, and things like that. So he had a darkroom that in my grandmother's basement, like under the mm -hmm. stairs. And he would always tell me stories <laughs> about it. He's like, oh, yeah, you, you used to like roll our own film. And you could fit like 44 frames actually on a roll. You could. And, yes. you know, the, the old, you know, we turned the we turned the enlarger around and projected it on the floor. And you could project, you know, big prints that way. And, you know, he always I had act, these little fun stories. That's actually how I made my portfolio at Columbia University. Really? I did. I Because I did uh, three foot long prints panoramic prints that's cool and i had to project onto the floor yeah. i bought a door as and that was my easel <laughs> like a luan door and i taped my prints to the door and then it's color so total darkness no oh, safe wow. lights or anything so i worked in total dark that's how i made my portfolio in columbia yeah that is that's that's really cool i had no idea uh yeah it's uh so yeah i've always i always grew up with photography being present in the sense that you know when i would mm -hmm. go on boy scout trips and my dad would bring his he had like a mamiya slr you know full manual mm -hmm. so it was always present but it was definitely again something that was supported by my parents you know they're both teachers my mom's a teacher as well your dad did he run the auto program at mercer for a while the yeah coordinator? he actually like created yeah. the automotive program he at did. Mercer. Yeah. okay yeah because yeah, he was yeah. there long before i was and he has since retired yeah so yeah but he he was always interested in you know he has like engineering degree and things like that and that's what got him into automotive and you know but he was always interested in the camera stuff it was you know he uh my grandmother passed away last year and we were going through mm. just you know everything and and tons of old photos it was really cool to do it with my dad just like pictures of his father as a baby <laughs> just really <laughs> really cool pictures from like the, you know the early 20s and things that's great but we also found tons of his old negatives too so he would, he had like prints of things from years and years ago and then found the negatives for them and then found that's all the amazing. other shots that were before and after the print he made yeah, yeah. and <laughs> all the outtakes <laughs> which is funny yeah it's like just him and his friends and their cars in college and, and high school and stuff and, and that's really cool and that's why everyone should save yeah. their negatives <laughs> uh, negatives are yeah negatives are important yes yeah. um with, of all the conversations i've had with your father fred and even um like after you were my student he would give me updates on you and things like that it it always seemed like he was never not supportive of what you're doing but always maybe a little concerned about you actually making a living <laughs> you know uh we're, those concerns are probably still happening <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I do make a living mm -hmm. clicking a shutter, which, uh, you know, that's that's more than a lot of people can say. I mean, I can't account for probably three quarters of my graduating class from from photography school still that being active so true. photographers. Yep. Uh, so yep. I'm definitely very fortunate and I, I'm, you know, very, very lucky to be able to say that. And uh, but it's it's definitely... You know, not a job you 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 take for the 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 lavish lifestyle. No. That, that's for sure. But, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get to go to Trader Joe's though on a Wednesday morning when no one's there, <laughs> and that that makes up for all the other financial. That's right. Uh, I get to mishaps. go at th 
three. I get to go around three thirty four when all the classes are over. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I bet it's real. I bet that parking lot is real easy to navigate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So now you've been doing uh, these zines called No Invite. Do you call them zines? Yeah. Do you consider they're, them they're, zines? They're a zine. I, all my life, I've kind of fallen in the in-between of gray areas mm-hmm. of, of pretty much every aspect of things I'm interested in. <laughs> so these are technically zines, mm-hmm. but they are also 60 pages and they're full color and, you know, they're very that's, well that's printed. Right. They're really but they books. are still self-published, so, but it's still <laughs> right. not quite a book, you know, and, and right. it's, I take them to places. I have a few places that carry them, um, like Freestyle. Well, freestyle. Yeah, Freestyle Photo in yeah, LA carries yeah. some of them. I got stuff around. There's a vintage shop L- in, in downtown Jersey City. Lomography was a big supporter. Yeah. But it, it, I've also been like, well, it's not quite a book either. So like places mm-hmm. like Mast are like, we don't know where to put this. <laughs> and, uh, and they've also been t- shunned for being too nice. I remember I was supposed to do oh, a release party at 8-Ball, which is a big uh, like DIY like Xerox scene spot. And it it was like kind of approved. And then the, the head of 8-Ball was like, ah, this is actually isn't our vibe. Like, we don't do much fashion stuff. We don't do much. This is like, you know, this was made oh, on a real bad. printer. It's so too it's, good. <laughs> it was too good. I, it's, it's the, you know, that's the biggest problem in my career. It's just been too good. <laughs> but no, it's... it's uh, so it, it falls kind of in between that, but I, I do take pride in them, the quality level. I've been working with the, the same company for mm-hmm. what, 13 or 14 books now. Until I saw these these no invites, mm-hmm. zine, booklets, books, um, I didn't actually know you had an interest in fashion. When did that start? Oh, uh, that started probably it was when I was way younger. I remember watching, do you remember the Metro Network? It was mm-hmm. like, it was like a... A step above public access but it was like a we got it in central jersey but it was very much like a new york culture kind of tv uh, show or series or whatever it was and you know they would have like oh it's marky ramon eating pizza on saint mark's place doing like man on the street <laughs> stuff like kind of weird downtown culture stuff but they would always show fashion week uh, uh like they would show they would live stream at the you know broadcast i guess would be the better word for, for mm-hmm. you know the early 2000s <laughs> but yes it was it was one of those things where it was something that just be put it on and it's like mesmerizing and you start to almost subconsciously realize like fashion as an art form in the sense of everyone has their own unique vision and design and and that was that was something that was like kind of cool and, and a little like mesmerizing a bit and when I first moved to Jersey City I was like oh this is happening like this is around me now and. I kind of went out looking for it. And the first season I failed absolutely miserably. I was probably living in the city for two weeks when the February fashion week happened in this would have been 2016. And I literally was like walking around Soho like, hey, where's fashion week at? Like asking people. (laughs) (laughs) And I ended up like finding an an address, which at the time was Skylight Clarkson Square, which is like Houston and Westside Highway. Mm -hmm. And the address took me to the wrong side of the building. And if I had only like walked halfway around the block, I would have found it. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> and I just went home like cold and, and, and miserable. And so I didn't really think about it too much. And then when September came around, I was at the Whitney Museum with my friend. And once we, we split off, I kept walking through meatpacking. And Milk Studios was located there at the time on like 14th and 15th. And they were having a fashion week party. Like there was kind of like an open kind of thing with you know everyone was dressed all crazy and 
people were looking to be seen. And this is another kind of thing where I'm sure everyone who's listened to this has had this problem is like the, the, the barrier of asking a stranger to take their picture, mm-hmm. you know, or even like a street photography, like just that, that moment to snap the photo, there's always like a hesitance or an anxiety. And it was one of those deals. Like these are people who are looking to be seen. Yes. So that barrier yes. of rejection was very, very low. Mm-hmm. And I had my, I had a contacts G2 and I just went in there and started taking portraits of people and ended up with this cool, interesting group of portraits. And again, I was like, I feel like there should be more to this. This isn't, I showed some friends, but I didn't really do anything with it. I didn't really post it around. And then the next season, I was a little more ready for Fashion Week. And I, I found where, when Kanye West did his like Yeezy season five, he did it at Pier 59. And I found out where it was and I showed up and that this was like more street style. This was, there were rappers, there were like big models, there was all kinds of kind of commotion and and chaos. And I used that to my advantage and started taking pictures of the models leaving and kind of doing what would be considered traditional street style photos. And then Mm -hmm. with that, with the other previous stuff I collected from the season before, I was like, I have something here. Here is a collection of photos that make sense. They're interesting. There's a variety to them. And... I had done zines when I was touring with punk bands because after college I went and, you know, did a lot more. I, I was a music photographer for a good six years or so in, in earnest. And I'd go out with bands and I would make a zine of the previous tour I was on to sell for like Taco Bell money of my own <laughs> at the merch table. And I was like, I haven't I haven't really done a zine in a while. I'm going to put these together into this book. And that became the first no invite book. And uh, it was pretty cool. And, you know, it. it you know, sold decently, I guess. And mm-hmm. the next season, that was kind of a proof of concept, though, because the next season I went out with the idea to, um, this is going to be another book. So everything I shot was a lot more, you know, precise. It was, you know, vertical shots were for pages. Horizontals were going to be spreads. It was, uh, you know, more thought out. And then it has kind of gone from there. I've been on an almost two book schedule <laughs> right. a year for <laughs> almost for like seven years now. And the, the the whole concept of no invite is that you're kind of an outsider. You're you're not invited and you're figuring out your own way to get close to the, you know, the rope lines, right? Yeah. And there there's a lot to that with the idea of fashion as an industry is so exploitive in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit of like, you know, my old punk rock roots of, of authority and whatnot, just kind of coming back <laughs> a little bit and being like, no, like I'm going to exploit them to get photos for myself. Like I'm going to exploit yeah. the party that's happening to get these photos of celebrities or models or whoever and use that to create my work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's led to some crazy, crazy moments. I mean, I've. <laughs> I, you know, with, with again, going to punk concerts and stuff, the idea was to get my camera into certain situations, I'd have to sneak in or walk in or convince the right person to let me in. And it's kind of been like that with Fashion Week. It's really fun to, to kind of use those methods. It's a confidence thing. I, I joke, people ask me all the time, and I, I literally say, you could just walk in. Like, if you, <laughs> you look... Act, you act you, like you belong. <laughs> yeah. You can, if you look like you're annoyed, like that New York walking around like annoyed face, if you walk uh-huh. like that, people... <laughs> subconsciously don't want to stop you. <laughs> like this guy's yeah. on a mission. I don't want to like stop whatever he's up to. <laughs> but there's literally be times I walked into the Fendi show. There's a big Fendi show at Hammerstein Ballroom and uh, I literally just like walked past the security guard and gave him like the Ugh, this crap again face and the guy was like I feel you brother and just like 
walked right in and I'm standing next to Kate Moss. <laughs> Just like moments like that. And, and it's, it's really led to some really fun situations. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. When somebody once ran into me on the street when I was photographing in New York and they didn't say hello and I never saw them. I didn't know. Mm. And they said... I saw you and you looked like you might murder me. So I left you alone. It's like, I must have this face when I'm out photographing. Listen, it probably is for the best. And, you know, That's right. it, not looking like an easy target is definitely a good thing yeah, to have especially in New when York you're sometimes. My size. Yes. But yeah. So it, it, it's really led to this collection of work that I never would have expected it would lead to. Because mm-hmm. it, it's different. And, and this is what's fun is I have a good like crew of people that we all run around the streets during fashion week we have a big group chat and we can share locations we can share what's happening see i think i think that's why you're still doing it i think it's because you have a support network you have you have friends who are who are involved who you can talk to and show work to and and all those things it was definitely tougher in the beginning i used Mm -hmm. to literally like try to find the hairstylists or makeup artists that were working on the hmm. show who would like accidentally geotag a location. Like it used to be that oh, hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now, yeah, we have, you know, we'll always find someone who works for like Getty or somebody and, and get their <laughs> list. And it has been a fun support network, but what's cool is like, I feel like we all still shoot different, like we can all be photographing the same person and we'll all come out with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's fun about photography in general. Oh yeah. But I've, yeah. Mine has kind of evolved into much more of a like a psycho like sociological aspect of like these are the people like it's a portrait it's a headshot it's not necessarily a full outfit shot and it kind of says a lot about the people who are attending these things absolutely and, and yeah. it it's become a really fun thing because because there's been a lot of people who've used my photos for their Instagram avatars. And it's like, oh, that means I took a picture of that person who this is how they want to be represented. Mm-hmm. So it feels really cool that it's like, oh, I'm taking a picture of someone that makes them feel like this is the real them. Yeah, no, I, I was when I was looking at, at the work, I noticed it really isn't about the fashion. Um, I mean, you have some that, that where you're kind of showing off mm-hmm. body language and clothing and everything else. But you have a lot of shots that are sort of headshots, head in the middle of a mm-hmm. vertical image, yeah. you know, things like that. You have this kind of, um, I think what they used to call guerrilla journalism style of yeah. photography, right? It's direct flash. Uh, you're really close. That style of comfort, not confrontation, but but engaging, engaging style. Yeah, and I think a lot of that actually also comes down to the camera I use. Uh, oh, that camera too, yes. But yeah. not to bury the lead, I shoot all of it on <laughs> like 90s point and shoots. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically over the years, it's kind of uh, been whittled down to the uh, the classic Yashica T4. Yeah, and, you're holding it up um, for those yeah. uh, listening <laughs> this in their cars right now. Yes. He's holding up, Dan's holding up his, his Yashica T4. Yes. One of one of the many <laughs> I have, unfortunately, but uh, I think I'm up to six or seven at this point, and, and maybe, four That's of pretty them, envious. maybe four of them work. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> four of them work well. Three of for them those, work well. Four so, of them so are for those who, who, who don't know this this sort of world of, of desirable point and shoots, that camera came with a context lens, and that was one of the best lenses on a point-and-shoot camera you could possibly get. And it was, there's just something about that camera that everybody loves. Yeah, the it quality was, it was is fantastic. The 90s, uh, it's, it's funny, the actual manufacturer of this camera is Kyocera. Oh, that's right. And yeah, Kyocera had the Yashica license and the contacts license, and they also mm-hmm. had the license for Zeiss lenses. So that's why. This is the plastic, and people always like, 
complain that they break. People re- you know refer to me all the time or consult with me about buying a, a Yashica T4. And the only thing I tell them is like, be prepared for heartbreak because <laughs> they're 30 year old pieces of plastic and they break yes. and there's no reason behind it. And you, I learned a long time ago, you can't get too heartbroken about it, which is why I've kind of been hoarding them a bit because it's, it's yeah. the tool I use to make my photos, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, well, you know, at this point, all film cameras are 30 plus years old and they're all breaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and at least with is the getting contacts, harder and harder on them. Contact yeah. gear, you can still get repaired at like Nippon mm-hmm. in the city. Yes. Uh, I have a 60th anniversary Contacts T2, the gold one. Oh, wow. That I bought dead stock for $400, <laughs> like probably close to 10 years ago now. But yep. uh, I got yep. that one. That Fashion Week ate that one and uh, I, I was able to get it repaired, thankfully. But again, so back to the reason I like using this camera, mm-hmm. it's unassuming. The people who might be the, the gatekeepers of these fashion shows might not right. take it as a serious camera. Yeah, I'm not rolling in with a paparazzi rig. It right. looks less purpose-built, I guess would be the best mm-hmm. way to think about that. And I can also put it in my pocket and I'm a civilian. No one will know. But also, it gets a better reaction from people. Especially mm-hmm. all of my photos are taken from like two to three feet away. Mm-hmm. Which is another nice thing because it's a close focusing camera with a flash that doesn't completely Blind. punch a hole through it. <laughs> and but you get a different reaction. You get uh, a, a more comfortable reaction. Uh, you get an actual like interest. You know, people ask me about the cameras. I had um, Heidi Klum like talk to me about how she misses the days of of getting uh, <laughs> her film back and like that delayed gratification response. Uh-huh. I actually had a really fun interaction. I snuck into a show at the Plaza Hotel last season. And I forget the actress's last name, but her her first name's Melissa. And she was in the new Scream movies. But she was Mm -hmm. like kind of bombarded. It was before the show. So I was taking like front row shots. And she was getting kind of like an extra was interviewing her. And I was just kind of off to the side, like waiting for my moment to be like, hey, one over here, grab the shot. And she like pulls me out of the crowd. She puts her hand (laughs) on her shoulder and leads me to like a corner. And I'm like, am I in trouble? Like what's going on here? (laughs) And she goes, I need to know where I can get my film developed in New York. <laughs> so that's like she pushed her way great. out of like an interview with like a TV network to ask me where to get yeah. her film developed. Like it's, it's cool moments like that, that really gets a better reaction out of the people in photographing. No. And, and there, there's a, there is a sense of um, a very playful engagement. Like people are having fun when you're taking their photo at, at time. I mean, not all of them, but, but there's de- that's <laughs> not definitely in there. Fun. No, yeah. It, I, I did have one person. I don't know who it was. It probably wasn't anybody important, but this is a couple of seasons ago before COVID. And I was like, oh, like, can I take a picture real quick? One over here. And she goes, not with that. And like kept walking. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's, that's your loss. I'm sorry. But, you know, you mentioned vertical. And by the way, you've you made that part of your aesthetic. Like that vertical frame goes mm-hmm. so well in these books. Yeah. And You've carried that over into these later books that you made, Cruel Summer and I Still Feel It. Mm-hmm. And that, that aesthetic carries over. The, the photos are different, but, but you can still get a sense of, you know, this is you. This is, this is how you make photos. It's really actually really nice to see that it, it carries through all the books. That, that's yeah. really nice to hear. Uh, that is something I always have kind of been shocked to hear because no one falls in, no one creates a style per, per se mm-hmm. that you know more i guess authentically create a style i think but I it's think something you work you f- into it you fall yeah. into it eventually <laughs> yeah, through yeah. repetition of, of of use and so whenever someone says because during the pandemic fashion week wasn't happening mm-hmm. i still had that creative itch to 
do more books. And I still did two books over the pandemic. <laughs> and when people are like, oh, I can still tell these are your photos, even though it's a completely different medium in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, like the book, I still feel it has zero faces in it at all. Yeah. It's not, there's nothing I ever intended to do like stylized wise. I don't go out and be like, oh, I'm going to, I got to shoot this with a certain way. But the fact that it like falls into it is, is it does. And, and of course you're, you pick everything. You're picking your camera, you're picking your, your film, you're, you're choosing how these look in a book, right? You're, I, I don't know if you're, how you do this, but you're, you're at least, you're, you must be approving proofs at some point. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, these are books that are pretty much DIY. Mm, Again, okay. still coming yeah. from that, that music world kind mm-hmm. of thing it's i'm also kind of a control freak when it comes to my work uh you know for the most part i'm not super crazy about things but uh i do lay everything out i do um mm-hmm. design everything all the the logos and the you know the 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 font and the text and the styles that's all me right, right um the only time i've ever really had anyone else's hands on it was when i did the book i still feel it i had a, a friend of mine write a foreword for it yeah i think kind of put things into context well while still being like its own entity it's uh yeah i mean my my hands are all over it i i pride <laughs> myself on my spreads in a way so that you you mentioned that yeah and i was gonna bring that up and you said make sure you look at this two up right oh, two always, pages yeah. up and you're right. Your spreads are very carefully made, like like really made within an inch of their lives. I mean, <laughs> I look, I I was looking left and right, left and right, left and right, and I could see this. This is not subtle. I could see why you chose these two things to be together. Mm-hmm. I could see expressions, makeup, clothing, body language, backgrounds. Some of them are literally sort of uh, panoramics made into diptychs, right? Yeah. A le- like a real left and a right. Some of them are just sort of like uh, a different focal point and, and some of them are just slightly different, uh, are, are slight variations of, of a similar scene. And those are great, but even in a more sophisticated way, two different people who happen to have these something similar going on in the photograph that really connects the photographs. And that's, of course, photography, right? Connecting Mm -hmm. things that are not even connected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's one that always comes to mind. I think it's in No Invite Volume 7. And there's a picture that's... um, On the one side, it is a drag queen with, like, very bright makeup of, like, blues, browns, and oranges. Mm -hmm. And then it's paired with, like, a lower three-quarter shot of like a businessman who's not even involved with fashion week with like a brown jacket (laughs) (laughs) and like an orange tan briefcase and like a blue umbrella and it's just like those kind of things just really fall into place but and and a lot of what you said the simple stuff of just like combining a background where two horizons meet even though they're Mm -hmm. not related and i've had people in uh, the i still feel it book there's a couple shots that are in completely different states and People just assume it's a it's a full <laughs> horizontal right. image. Yeah, no, really, really well done. It makes these books so much fun to to, to page through too, uh, because the the idea of the two people as uh, as a spread and then uh, more something that that reads almost like a panoramic or a diptych as mm-hmm. a spread. It's a great way to to either break things up into chapters or to at least give your eye a break. You know, yeah. like looking at people and it's just, yeah, it's done really well. Very yeah. well done. And it's, it's something I learned doing all the, the no invite ones. Is it, when you do have like a subject in the frame, there is a mm-hmm. little bit more to, it gives you a couple extra factors to, to compare and, and combine, but then doing these, uh, you know, non-fashion, more traditional uh, environmental photo books 
it kind of makes you rely on being a little more creative with that stuff. And, yeah. and just like you just have a few variables less to work with. And it really comes down to, like you said, is like the complexity of like feeling of an image almost. And, Absolutely. And yeah. a lot, you know, a lot of these books are way more intimate than they lead on, which is fun for me because it lets me, you know, put something out that's very meaningful to myself, but not necessarily projecting that meaningfulness onto others. And it, it allows people to kind of project whatever they want onto it. That's the whole thing. That's the secret sauce, right? <laughs> I mean, definitely. The the I still feel yeah. it one conceptually is probably my my most uh i'm very proud of that book uh there's very few i was gonna left. say <laughs> I, that is out. that's in some ways your most mature book meaning oh, sure. like i yeah uh it's reflective uh it's it's now you now have this life kind of behind you and and work that you've gone through and work that you've made and all these life experiences and that's what that book feels like that is a reflection yeah. yeah. And it's also uh it's a reflection of a relationship I was in mm. in the sense that I did Cruel Summer and then met someone who then was existing on every single role of film I shot since. And it was then like, well, it's time to make another book. All of the work I've created since then has been also involving this other person, you know, whether it's trips we took together or, right. you know, things around their neighborhood. And uh, it kind of became this, like, almost like a, you know, a eulogy to that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just like, this is time spent and that, and it really kind of hones in the idea of like, what goes into clicking the shutter? Like, what makes you want to freeze this specific moment? Right. And then beyond what happens, you know, outside of the frame that you took. And it kind of became, you know, that's like a very personal thing to me, but it's also kind of asking a bigger question than that. But it was like a way for me to create work that if I was too sensitive, it could have been a total loss. It was like, I don't want to deal mm -hmm. with this at all. But, you know, it was a very formative time. Uh, you know, it was right towards the, the tail end of COVID. It was the end of 2020 into 2021. And this uh, is, uh, I still feel it. I still feel was it. Then, yeah. So, right, so it was really right after Cruel Summer. It was, yeah. Like, uh, oh, I yeah. started working it the the week that the relationship ended <laughs> so okay it was a okay. little bit of a cathartic release to like you know yeah put my mind into something else and mm -hmm. and kind of go from there but it was also like i had a show for that book and it was like you know the summer of 2021 and things started to feel right that weight was lifted a little bit mm -hmm. and yeah so so just to back up cruel summer is made in the at the height of quarantine like summer of 2020 yes uh, the world is ending and so you you just set out to get away cruel summer was kind of just me going back to making photographs around town like i mm. i had done a small like web series not like a web series but a little like 20 image gallery that's it's on my website I think it's just called like the first three months or first four months, but it's just before I was making books again, I just was doing little 20 page web galleries of, of different things. And uh, it was me discovering my neighborhood. When I first moved to Jersey City, I moved to the Heights and it was like what I took while just exploring a new place. And now after, you know, when COVID happened, I had nothing but time and nothing to do but walk around. So it was me rediscovering <laughs> my neighborhood and then it kind of culminated when I took a two-week uh, two road trip around New England. When things, remember September, October of 2020, 
it felt like things were, oh, the numbers are super low. New England's yes. letting people back in without testing at the border every time. Yeah. And, and then we started closing was, our windows and doors. Yeah, <laughs> right. and I was like, I'm losing my mind. Me and my yeah. roommate at the time were just like at each other's heels. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I need to get out. And I, I had a bunch of travel rewards. I had a relatively new car. And I got a $500 artist grant from Jersey City, which I mostly spent on seafood. <laughs> <laughs> Lobster I, rolls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, any. See, I, I went around New England looking for the best bowl of clam chowder, but um, I did eventually make a book, so that money did get put to use. But no, I, I think with the cost of hotels at the time it was so so cheap. That's right. I think after That's two right. weeks, I, I did Cape Cod, Boston, uh, Bar Harbor, Maine, and like Acadia and Portland, and then I stayed for a couple days at my friend's place in Northern Massachusetts. I think out of pocket, including film and processing, I paid three hundred dollars for that trip. <laughs> That's amazing. It was nuts, and it's like something I'll never be able to do again because everything is just exorbitantly expensive now. Oh, now it now it's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, film is ridiculous right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. it's brutal. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yes, it's brutal. <laughs> but it, it's... all right. So that yeah, so that was cruel summer, mm-hmm. and and so immediately after that, you're getting you have this breakup. And then you start this, I still feel it yeah. Uh, work. Yeah. So that was, you know, I, I did, uh, what was it? I think I, yeah, I put out Cruel Summer around December of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, yeah, I was in a new relationship right around that same time. So like I said, everything, literally almost every role I shot after the stuff that ended up in Cruel Summer was now existing in this other, mm-hmm. other space. It's funny, the cover of the book, uh, for people who don't know, is a picture of a, a BMW on fire on the yeah. side of the road that was like the last roll of film i shot for that book i was oh, waiting wow. I, I was like i have everything together i don't have a cover for it yet and normally if i don't have another roll of film handy on me i always leave like the last frame on a roll mm-hmm. and i think i was like i had five frames and i was on my way to the film lab and i went and stopped at patterson and took some photos at the patterson falls <laughs> and i still i kept one frame on my uh, on the roll and as I'm driving to the lab, I see a car on fire on the side of the road. No one around but a single cop car and like the owner standing off to the side talking to the cop while his car is on fire. And I literally pull up next to the car on fire. I go around the cop car, stop on the <laughs> highway where he's blocking the lane and just literally stuck my hand out the window <laughs> and took the shot. And it was like perfectly framed. Yeah, it, last, it was the last <laughs> frame on the roll. And that 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 was it. That was the cover. Yeah. I actually have it. It's not in the frame here. It's on the other wall, mm-hmm. but I have like a giant like 24 by 36 print of it. <laughs> but, you know, you you were starting to talk about the book that it's not it's not that there's a, like a specific through line mm-hmm. necessarily through it. But it it when I when I look through it, it feels more like uh, this kind this journey idea where where I feel like I'm traveling. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm moving through different places. And it's one of those where there are markers along the way. So you kind of get a detail of something or you get a more of an overall view and the things. So it, these, the things in the photos have maybe specific meaning for you, but not so much for me, except that when I do look at them, because the way they are treated, the way they are photographed, Mm -hmm. they feel like they could be memories. They feel like they could be um, emotional states. They feel like they could be just moments of sort of taking it all in. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, it's that kind of, book that that feels like a um working through something (laughs) that's exactly what i was (laughs) but it resonated with a lot of people i mean it's it's probably Mm -hmm. my most popular book in the sense of 
my series. I mean, it sold it. Yeah, I think I might have a couple copies left. Uh, mm. Very, very few, though. So actually, along those lines, because you are a, a self-publisher, mm-hmm. do you think of it in terms of editions or do you or do you have it on sort of hold? Like, let's print a hundred more. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to the non-fashion books, I'll probably do another edition. Mm-hmm. But for no invite, I think what I'd really love to do, and it's like so hard to even know where to start, is to like have that done through a publisher. Because I feel like the story there, uh, you know, behind what makes those images, and then just the sheer amount of them at this point, it would be really cool to do like a proper compendium right. style of the series. Yeah, so it, it's just a matter of uh, you know, if anyone knows any publishers out there, or or what's even harder to find is a is a book agent that focuses on art, specifically photography, is even more hard to find. There's a lot of publishing happening right now, and a lot of it, I think, comes through you know having your work reviewed and and meeting publishers and editors, and seeing if there's something because there there are a lot of smaller independent publishers out there. Yeah, I who I think would would be open to this work, the work that you do. And it is like going to those those reviews, going to those um, portfolio reviews, and then though, funding, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah. Then you got to figure out the funding. And, you know, I've, I've given to quite a few uh, Indiegogos and Kickstarters, yeah. you know, and, and they've worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, f- I know a few people have gone that route. I think mm-hmm. the hardest hurdle is expanding my audience beyond what it is currently which you know mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a long game it and it has been expanding at a, at a fairly a, steady pace sizable instagram following from it's not too bad um, yeah. but it, it's like something i've fought tooth and nail to to get over the years of just consistency mm-hmm. i wanted to i we started to talk about something before and you you um you talked about this sort of support network, mm-hmm. and I just mentioned I think one of the reasons why you are still doing it, and whereas so many aren't doing it, that you do have this group of friends, and you were talking about it as sort of like, uh, almost like logistical support. I was talking about it in terms of having people to talk to about oh, yeah. your work and their work, and you know, just as a sort of energy, as a way of keeping it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now that is definitely a nice thing to have, you know, just having a group of people who know the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's it's cathartic yeah. uh but yeah obviously having people to bounce ideas off of like i back to books for a moment is i have kind of two books in the works at the moment uh after mm-hmm. this last fashion week i was real worried i didn't have enough photos for a new volume so i started making another non-fashion book which may kind of be considered the, the third in like the covid trilogy because it all started hmm. before covid or during covid rather but I started making this non-fashion book, and now I kind of have two books that That's may, you know, are maybe a yeah. draft or two away from from hitting publish. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I've really been reaching out to the network in terms of uh, what I should do or which mm-hmm. I should, but even just like color, like cover variations, just having another couple sets of eyes to just let me know well, what, what is more engaging to them. It sounds like. Most of these things you've done, you've really kind of been your own editor yeah. as well. And that, that's what I was going to ask. Are you starting to also now let more people in with the editing? Yeah. I mean, I always have in the sense of just kind of, like, uh, you know, a close group of people who are, you know, artists and non-artists because it's nice to have a non-artist perspective too about like what is visually pleasing to someone who might not pick up on all the technical mm-hmm. nuances 
and who just like things that are beautiful <laughs> yeah. or interesting. <laughs> so it, it is nice to have that kind of uh, that kind of, of support network of just varied opinions and varied experience. And mm-hmm. I, I and I think that's key for any artist of any stretch. And you know, even if you you know, I, I have a lot of friends who aren't artists, uh, mm-hmm. and people you know some people don't have any of that to, to bounce off and they're you know find local critique groups i i mean yeah. I'm, I'm spoiled because new york has a ton of those and i have a few people who who run some of them you know on and off but you know there's so many there's no shortage of like communities uh you know in person or online that will do fun critique and and yeah you know getting the more opinions and more varied eyes on it you know it can only help Absolutely. Yeah. You find you find people you trust and you let them be brutally honest with you. Yeah. And find people <laughs> whose work you also like and admire yeah. that you yep. know will make you take their opinion more seriously. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm currently between two. I think I know what I'm going to do. So I think mm-hmm. I think I might do the non-fashion book first. So but and this is something you you're still considering self-publishing or this is something this is where you're really hoping to find a publisher oh no this will probably be self-published as well oh okay i i already have a show booked in december where's that what's that uh it's at brooklyn film camera actually oh um, yeah they're great oh yeah, they're the yeah. best i i love yeah, them over there yeah. and i was trying to find a place to release because every book i try to do a release party and, uh, and mm-hmm. a photo show and uh, i was trying to find a place to do it over the summer for volume 10 and uh Brooklyn Film Camera's like, we're already booking for the winter, but do you want to do December? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let's next book. I'll Get have in another there. one by then. Yeah. Um, so I, that's why I was like kind of in a rush to to have something ready in the mm-hmm. sense. So I, I've been working on a series of photos of central Pennsylvania. Uh, me and my friends got like oddly fixated on central Pennsylvania. Sort of rust belt areas or it, very much like the mm. like coal region. Yeah, okay. uh, and yep. technically it's still Appalachia out there, mm-hmm. but we we got obsessed with um, I don't want to go too deep in this, but the Shamokin Dunkin' Donuts video. If if people know mm-hmm. or can look it up, it's just like this weird viral news story that happened in like 2016 that has mm-hmm. like they you know they interview like people on the street and it's just this crazy cast of characters and out of pure brain mush early pandemic, me and a couple friends drove to the Shamokin Dunkin Donuts like three hours out to central <laughs> Pennsylvania just to stand in a Dunkin Donuts parking lot and uh then more or less get back in the car and drive back <laughs> so, uh but but over time my, my friend started getting like a an Airbnb on this lake out there and then it eventually led to one of my friends actually buying property on the lake and yeah. we've just been spending like three years plus at this point going to this very specific region of pennsylvania called uh-huh. schuylkill, schuylkill county pennsylvania it's where uh like pottsville is where like yangling is uh the breweries oh, there okay yeah and it's this beautiful area that also is plagued with like the blight of being a former industry town sure and there's like this very and but it's also in the appalachian mountains and it's it's beautiful and there's lakes and and then like depressive downtown kind of things. And it's it's mm-hmm. kind of led to this really regional study of photos uh, over time that where, you know, we've grown to truly love the area. And it's again, I don't know who the market is for it, but, uh, you know, if people like my non-fashion books, it's it's still, you know, yeah. it's still photographed very similar to my other ones. And it's just 
it's just become kind of like whatever the the version of a character study is for well there <laughs> for were, a region there was, there was huge interest in photography from rust belt towns and coal towns and appalachian because it was thought they were the the folks that somehow were in that political mm-hmm. boundary between voting for donald trump but supporting maybe more s- social liberal policies and or you know yeah more um, more it, worker focused uh, exactly policies and, and union focused policies right right and is that maybe i have my geography wrong is that is that where centralia is that it's actually that yeah centralia is right there been uh, burning since 1960 or something like yeah, that yeah, 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 there's, yeah there's a picture from centralia and there unfortunately there's not much to see in centralia anymore no, it's just sort of poisonous hot underground right isn't that yeah. what it is well yeah, yeah. There's, there's a coal fire that's been burning under the town for for mm-hmm. yeah like some 50 60, 60 years 70 years something. something like that yeah and the thing is if you haven't been living there since the 90s you can no longer live there mm-hmm. uh, and so people are eventually leaving and dying right and then they right. just, they demolish the house so there is like a weirdness of just kind of a what used to be a town like you know there's mm-hmm. no buildings left so it's, right. it's not like it's like a ghost town, but it's no, no. They've literally demolished everything, and it's just streets right. that go into the woods. It's just right. being reclaimed by nature. Mm-hmm. But the big thing with that was they had a big high abandoned stretch of highway that was covered in graffiti, and that was kind of its own you know landmark or so that people would go see. And then during COVID, they covered it with dirt. Oh like wow! Giant so they mound, buried it. Tons and tons and mounds of dirt. Was, uh, so they're really trying to have it fade out from history. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I think a yeah, lot of people yeah. would go over there and you know run ATVs and stuff on it. And mm-hmm. I think technically that stretch of the, the the highway is privately owned. I think, and I I think it's more or less like we don't want people to come here. We don't want people mm-hmm. to possibly get hurt on our private property. So yeah, but it's a bummer because it was a really cool, like weird yeah. thing that existed. It was also incredibly tragic. Like we don't want to lose sight that this was a an incredibly tragic. Oh yeah, and it all started uh, from like a trash fire or something. It was it was something so silly that started this fire that's been raging on for forever. Yeah, yeah, Dan, I'm really happy to to catch up with oh, you absolutely. and and so thrilled that you are doing it and the work is really good and you know, you. you've got these books out and people should look for them and visit danbassini.com and also uh your instagram account which is mostly uh, is, it, is it mostly um no invite work on yeah your i mean that, that's been yeah. kind of honed down to a lot of the fashion portrait stuff mm-hmm. you know when you know the new book comes out i'm sure i'll be posting about it there as well but yeah that's, yeah. that's kind of the central hub of of most of my fashion work it's just not you know keep it keep it focused yeah well this has been great yeah uh, this is a lot of fun let's try to well, hey let's uh, remind me about december i'll try to yeah. uh, come out there yeah so uh yeah december 7th brooklyn film camera um mm-hmm. i'll be de- debuting one of two books <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, i'm thinking probably so i i have the titles worked out and uh so it might either be no invite volume 11 or uh, when I kill God, I will find the spigot from which he meters out grace and smash it permanently open. That's that's the, that's a title. <laughs> that's the Central Pennsylvania book. So I All figured right. it had to be a little more uh, attention grabbing to to get people hype about Central Pennsylvania. But hey, uh, don't uh, don't underestimate the power of the photo. Oh yeah, no, there's some there's some really some of my favorite work is in there. Yeah. It's some really that's really a, cool stuff. That's great. It. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah, and again, it's it's a place that's coming from love and not exploitation, mm-hmm. which is important. Absolutely. a very important distinction. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. 
Well, all right. Uh, so much fun catching up with you. Absolutely. And uh, I'll be in touch. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. All Take right, care. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Real Photo Show is produced by me, Michael Chauvin-Dalton. Music by Matteo Chauvin-Dalton and Jim Ramundo, recorded at the Rutherford Music Exchange. If you like the show, please rate and review with all the stars on your favorite listening platform. 